I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Hello, my name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Hey, everyone. And you're listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Today we have a guest. Please help me welcome Meghna Joshi. <laughs> Meghna, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Demetrio. Outside of just, you know, working at Little, can you give our listeners a little bit of uh, insight into your professional background and then anything that you want to mention about Little? Uh, I've been with Little since last December, and uh, it's really funny. I started with them, and within seven weeks, we started working from home. So I've been in the office exactly for seven weeks and been working remote after that. Oh, so, if anything, I think that's a great testament to the policies of remote working that Little has. And, uh, you know, we keep talking about creating an inclusive environment for mothers and all that. But this is in action where none of the working mothers in our company felt limited by uh, the resources that we have, either through support or through remote working or mentorship or anything. We are all continuing business as usual because the pandemic toll on working mothers is the highest right now. And uh, if you check with any company in Orange County with architecture and construction, mothers are the first ones dropping off the workforce. So luckily, as little, we have the resources to continue working and do our best. And that, that's just my personal view about little. Coming back to the work part, I'm working with the retail division. 
and uh, mostly working on uh, stores and uh, um, banks and such. My last project was for Credo Beauty. It's a clean beauty store, and uh, they launched a store in Chicago and plan to launch around 10 stores across the country next year. That's my um, key client right now. Okay. So, Magna, the first time I think I came across you was when was on Twitter, and the thing mm -hmm. that popped out was you were discussing a device that you were working on, and I thought that was really cool. You want to talk a little bit about that and kind of where you're at in that process? Sure. Uh, so, five years ago, my daughter was a sophomore at Troy High School, and we got a call that no parents should be getting. We got a call from the school saying that uh, they found somebody attempting a shootout at school. And it was, of course, thwarted. Then they found the kids who were planning it. They confiscated all the guns. Nothing happened, but that scare remained. So, you know, um, we keep talking about that every time there is election. It's just become a political thing, and everybody thinks it's, uh, it's about the right to bear arms versus taking away the arms from them. But in between, there's like this whole population of kids going to school every day and wondering what will happen. What about their safety? What happens if there is no one available to help them out? So that's when I came up with this idea and I talked to my husband. My husband is an electrical engineer as well as a software engineer. So we talked about that and we thought, okay, maybe there is something we can do. You know, just remove all the politics, remove everything else that's there to it, the lobbying and all that. Just work on a purely technological solution and make it democratic so that, you know, everybody can have it. And um, we came up with Arpad. Uh, it's our first product. So what that basically does is when there is an emergency like this, either fire, shootout, slug, anything, your camera triggers on so that the person who is helping you knows who to help, where to help, and exactly what nature of help is needed. So we started with that and um, filed a patent on that. And right now our patent is on the second round of review. So once it's accepted, we'll uh, jump into full-scale development of the products and uh, get that out to the market. But meanwhile, I've been working on two other products also. They're called R-Exit and R-Scan. R-Exit will be addressing all the invisible disabilities because if school shootings happen or anything, fires or anything such happens in, as an emergency, it's one thing to deal with emergencies. The other thing is to deal with the mental health of people going through that. So a lot of people will not know what to do in case of emergencies. We can put those green lights here, there, and then you know, assume that everybody knows that exit lights are for them, but then it, it's hard. So I'm working on a device that will give you information on your handheld mobile so that you can exit out safely. And especially, you know, if there is a shootout or anything like that, some of the exits, even though it says exit, it's not safe anymore. So if we have a device that can quickly work with artificial intelligence and give commands to everybody that these, this, this, and this area is not safe anymore, please use the other exit. So that would be really useful. So I'm working on that. We filed a patent on that, and that's, that's under review also. And um, my husband is working on a third idea, which is called R-Scan. 
and that's going to use um, scanning mechanisms that are available outside already and um, you know just look at the risk that we are going through let's say there is a school or even a casino or something and then somebody with a history of violence enters the scanner will kind of scan that and notify the people in charge they don't have to do anything but just know that somebody who is considered a little dangerous is inside mm. and be prepared so mm. he is working on that um for that we don't really uh, need a patent or anything um all the software and hardware is available outside it's just a matter of combining all that and utilizing what we need So those are the three projects that I'm working outside of work right now. Yeah, I was going to clarify. So those are all individual uh endeavors that you you and your husband are making, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So uh let me just to clarify. So the first one is uh a basically a system that links up with camera phones and sort of connects cameras on campus to what's going on, right? Uh second one that would be our exit it will connect to what's going on okay. um the first one is our path it will connect emergency uh, services to what's going on oh, they will be okay. able to access and see what's happening and maybe people in charge of security will see it but not everybody else we don't want everybody to see you know all the horrors that are going on everywhere that's cool um Yes. Yeah, so, so I'd love to have you come back to give us an update as as you progress on those um such good ideas that um you know have a lot of runway and will definitely benefit everybody I think. And it's not mm-hmm. really um uh, intrusive. I think everybody's very afraid of kind of what solutions could end up being, but these don't sound like intrusive solutions. Yeah. Now, to her point too, it steps outside of the whole conversation about pro or against, right? It just puts it on the safety of yeah, what's going because on. It, it doesn't matter what your political view is, safety comes first for everybody. Yeah. So after uh, seeing that on Twitter, uh, I think we sort of connected on LinkedIn and something like that, and then you reached out to me for a presentation for the EDI initiative for AIAOC. <laughs> so many <laughs> letters. <laughs> um can you talk a little bit about EDI and what you guys what you're doing at AIA OC? Mhm. So I started as a director for EDI with AIA Orange County one and a half year ago and my initial plans changed drastically after what happened yeah after your event. Yours was supposed to be the first event of uh, the six events I was going to put together under Inspire series. Mm-hmm. My goal was to bring in an architect who went through all the struggles of, you know, whether it's being colored or being an immigrant, being a woman, anything as such and succeeded in the field. I wanted to bring them in for a conversation and have them share their story so that, you know, we inspire others like them. So we started with that and um, right after that covid hit and uh, your was the last in person event for the year. Oh, wow. I don't think we'll be having any more in person events. So we started with that and then uh, you know after covid black lives matter things changed a lot and uh, my personal thinking changed a lot too. Before EDI to me was having somebody come in and talk about the things that 
inspire others. But right now, I feel the need to be an advocate for educating people, having them understand why we need this, why equity, diversity, or inclusion is necessary, and how we can achieve things that we plan to do. But we need to have a broader discussion than before. That's what I'm trying to get at. So my last guest was Demar Matthews, and he gave an awesome presentation on race and culture, and uh, he talked about unearthing Black aesthetics. So things like this, I don't think six months ago people would be receptive to, or people would think that they needed to understand. Now everybody is opening up. And at AI Orange County, I want to create this atmosphere where, you know, everybody feels safe safe to share their stories and safe to ask questions when people are sharing those stories so that people can understand and correct their behaviors. Because sometimes, you know, Orange County being Orange County, you and I know that there is very few of us colored people here. <laughs> and especially in architecture, it's, it's really hard to see us. And uh, people don't know how to behave when they're encountering all this. So I want them to educate enough, know the history behind things, and get out of that bubble mentality, broaden their horizons, and know EDI for the real reasons, not because they want to hire a percentage of colored people or promote a percentage of colored people. It's not going to work like that. Unless they are ready to understand what it takes to hire a colored person and what it takes to retain them in their workforce and help them grow, it's not going to work. So the reloaded EDI events are going to address that. And uh, we are also collaborating with Socal Noma. And uh, Socal Noma has this program called uh, Pipeline. Um, Pipeline addresses children in middle school and high school and introduces them to architecture. My daughter, who just started high school, did their virtual events this year. But next year, I want to bring that event to Orange County, have a pilot program so that kids in Orange County will understand and know why architecture is needed and uh, participate in it. It shouldn't be a privilege of just a few people to be an architect. Everybody needs to be given a fair chance. And by bringing Focal Noma, I think we'll have relatable role models for everybody to you know, look at and be inspired. Yeah. So that's the next goal. And also, I'm going to invite you as, an, as a volunteer for that. So heads up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's totally fine. I'm, I'm up for it. Uh, yeah, the, the project pipeline that Noma is running is such a great idea and needed idea. Um, mm -hmm. I know when I was in school, I don't think I ever saw, like in high school, ever saw architects, engineers, or even construction uh companies really come to to school i don't know if you recall that jason uh outside know. of outside of bitta today I'm, I'm not sure what it's like now but yeah no i think i think uh i mean i never saw any companies come in the only thing i was actually talking about it with the kids the other day like we used to have shop class i mean you don't have you don't even have that anymore you know what I mean? so it's very rare that, that you yeah. see those types of things yeah. I agree. I think they removed the drafting programs also. The kids don't have that in all high schools wow. anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's important. Yeah. People don't think, I think people forget that 
how important high school is as far as developmental stages and, um, you know, getting in early to expose kids to all the different avenues you can take. Because if, if you wait mm -hmm. until college, you're already into whatever you, you think you're uh, supposed to be doing um, without full understanding of what's possible. Um, so mm. it's important for our industry to step up and, and go all the way back to high school and be more proactive to, to spread what it is that we do and all the different avenues you can take. And especially in uh, underserved, um, underprivileged areas where kids just have very little exposure to um, all the things that are out there and what they could do with the, their lives besides entertainment and sports. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a fantastic uh, program to to get involved with and, and try to incorporate into Orange County. Right. Have you guys already sort of targeted locations that you want to introduce this program to? Not completely. We have a framework on what we want to do, but uh, we haven't zeroed in on a certain school yet. Mm -hmm. But I'm thinking mostly towards the North County and uh, I'm going to contact Santa Ana School District and um, try to launch it from there. I think that would be a great start for us. Yeah. So in working with NOMA, how has that process been so far in coordinating? Has it been sort it, of, a, especially with the, the COVID uh, situation? It's been good. I did talk to uh, Electric Harris. Uh, we had a phone call and discussed our collaboration and uh, She's going to bring it up to Socal Noma next chapter meeting and get their approval so that we can, you know, get going on this formally. Mm -hmm. But they've been really nice and very receptive. I've been bombarding them with emails yeah. and they've been patient. <laughs> uh, the other uh, target that I, want, uh, I have is to bring in a Socal Noma chapter to Orange County. Um, it can be an extension of the current chapter because I don't think we have many people here to uh, hold a membership and a complete chapter. But south of LA, we don't really have any NOMA presence. And I want to change that a little bit and uh, start something within Orange County so that, you know, we're not, you know, skipping on events because we are afraid to drive. Mm -hmm. Many times the events are so good. I look at them, I look at their email and I'm like, mm. I don't want to be stuck in LA traffic at this time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I have that goal also to bring in a chapter of NOMA here or at least affiliate with them so that some of their programming happens here once in a while and uh, exposes other people to who NOMA is, what they do, and why we have NOMA. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up question because I wasn't sure that there was a NOMA chapter nearby. Um, mm -hmm. to sort of help facilitate that process. But that would be crucial <laughs> to help you get mm -hmm. that going and, and be effective and successful. So, Magna, we mentioned uh, the devices and NOMA and the EDI events. So you got a lot mm -hmm. going on. Um, how can people that uh, want to follow you for certain things or everything, how should people get in contact with you or where can they follow along to learn more? I'm very active on social media, especially Instagram and uh, LinkedIn. So they can uh, contact me at Instagram. It's my first name, Meghna, I-R-A, 
And uh, on LinkedIn, I'm just Meghna Joshi. They could do a search and find me. Okay. And Meghna will spell out is M-E-G-H-A-N-A, Joshi, <laughs> J-O-S-H-I, uh, for those that don't aren't in front of a computer when they hear this. Um, Meghna, thank you so much for joining us. Really cool stuff going on. Um, a lot going on. That's impressive. You. I'll make sure to get any links from you if you have links to anything too. So uh, check our website, spacespodcast.com. In our show notes, we'll put links to anything that uh, we've discussed that's available. Um, So other than that, thank you, Magna. Thank you, Jason. Thank you to the listeners for listening. We will talk again on Tuesday. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Man, I thought I was busy. (laughs) (laughs) This show is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. You can help support what we're doing here by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your preferred podcasting app. It helps others find us, and your support is the only way that this show grows. And don't forget to connect with us through our Facebook community, Instagram, and see the random thoughts and articles that we share on Twitter and LinkedIn. Thank you again for spending some time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. 
Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.